It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. So with the Giants' third-round pick at 71st overall, they select cornerback Aaron Robinson out of the University of Central Florida. And this is not a running joke, folks. You might have thought, why are the Giants picking a 71st overall? Didn't they have the 76th <laughs> overall pick in the third round? Well, you'd be right. Because this time, Dave Gettleman decided to trade up. Trading the fifth-round pick they acquired in the trade with the Chicago Bears, the 164th overall selection to move up those five spots from 76 to 71. And again, the Giants select cornerback Aaron Robinson out of the University of Central Florida. Welcome to our Third round rapid fire reaction edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. And guys, we've been talking about cornerback as kind of one of those four positions of need for the Giants in this draft. They address it here. And a guy in Aaron Robinson, guys, a very physical cornerback. He ran a sub 4 40 yard dash at his pro day. Uh, very strong at the line of scrimmage, plays a lot of press man, and he's a guy that can also play inside in the slot. All things that both Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman, Paul, thought were very important in their evaluation of this player. Well, I think it's important to understand that he spent one year at Alabama, uh, connection, 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 before going to UCF. Uh, Yes, he can play man, he can play off. You mentioned physical. I'll add that he's a terrific tackler closes very well, got some quicks, uh, just just a really sound, fundamental football player. Uh, Dave Gettleman, in addition to saying he could play slot, you know, obviously inside, outside, also said he could play the star, which is the wild card back there. So they obviously believe that he's got the smarts to handle whatever scheme it is they're going to throw at him. And, you know, ultimately, John, what it comes down to is that the Giants have really used their connections, uh, all the past guys who have known somebody from, you know, recruiting these kids in high school, played against them in colleges, had them on staffs in colleges, worked with them at summer camps, you name it. They, They have had those octopus tentacles out, and they have really drafted guys who they feel most comfortable with because they know the most about them. Robinson fits that mold to a T. Well, and this would be the year that I think you'd want to do that, Paul. You'd want to be able to utilize your resources. You just didn't have enough exposure face-to-face. That's why the one thing that both Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit talked about when they addressed the media after day two, but I'll continue to highlight it is, guys, it's no coincidence two of the three Giants picks thus far took part in the Senior Bowl. I don't Mm -hmm. think that is a coincidence at all. Now, you could tell me that the Giants have a track record of taking players in the Senior Bowl, and I will agree with that. Even in normal, regular years, the Giants have taken a high volume of Senior Bowl players. But that goes back to the Senior Bowl giving you access to meet with these players in an intimate setting. And both Chris Pettit and Dave Gettleman emphasize the fact that 
the Senior Bowl this year allowed every player to meet with every team. Even if it was just for 15 minutes, you were able to at least look through plexiglass and see what that player was all about outside of the X's and O's. I think that that helped Kadarius Toney and Aaron Robinson sell themselves to the Giants and the Giants front office and coaching staff who was down there to see these guys in a different light in addition to what jumps out to them on film. Chris Pettit also highlighted that when he sat down and he put on the Central Florida film, he said the two things that stood out to him about Aaron Robinson, instincts, and then as Paul pointed out, the tackling. Just to look at the numbers here, the last two years have been Aaron Robinson's most impressive campaigns, and that's mainly because he played in multiple games. He played in 22 games. He started 19 of them, but I look at the fact that he had 95 of his 109 career tackles in these last two seasons, and he also had 20 passes defended in 22 games over the past two campaigns. So he got on the field more, he was more active, and he showed up. And I think that's what attracted the Giants to selecting him ultimately in the third round. Yeah, and guys, I think he's a very good player. You saw him at the Senior Bowl. I thought he played a lot of bump and run there. Uh, he was very physical. A couple flags got thrown on him in practice during the week because he was a little bit too physical. But he certainly showed the ability to cover man-to-man. And I think the interesting part about how this went down, you know, when Dave Gettleman and Chris Pettit and Joe Judge addressed the media, Dave said directly that when they traded down in the second round, and I'll bring this back to the third round pick as well, uh, they had eight picks from 50 to 42 when they moved down. They had five players they would be willing to draft at 42. So they figured, well, if we go back eight spots, what's the chance all five of those guys are gone? Mm -hmm. Pretty small, right? Well, one of those guys was Aziz Ojolari. Another one of those guys was Aaron Robinson. And they ended up getting him in the third round anyway. So you want to talk about value. They got a player they're looking at in the second round. So I imagine they had a second round grade on him. They didn't say that, but I think that only makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. They got him in round three. Can't argue with that. Well, I think, you know, we talk to so many people, and I hate to keep referring to it, but we, we usually do a, a lot of research here on this program as everybody listens. And the bottom line is, John, I saw quite a few and heard from quite a few people who believed that he definitely had second-round grades on him. This, this is not a figment of anybody's imagination. Uh, we had discussed for quite a long period of time that after the top corners – uh, there was a pool, a rather large pond, of of a second level group of corners, and led by were, Asante Samuel. And teams were going to have those guys graded in very different ways, right? Yep. Because it was a matter of what flavor did you like. It yep. wasn't that these guys were necessarily better than the other guy. It was what what are the traits that you really need. And it wasn't about quality. It was about the various styles that these guys brought to the table. So, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody can argue with the value of the pick at all, even though they wound up parting with that fifth rounder that they had just acquired. You know, Lance, I want to go back to something you always talk about, where you're not drafting for your need today. But remember, Adoree Jackson only signed a three-year contract. James Bradbury only has two years left on his contract. You can never have enough cornerbacks. You always have injuries back there. The Giants only had really one outside cornerback they could trust last year. The other side kept rotating around. So while it's not an obvious need, it is a spot where you can always use reinforcements, especially with a guy that can play both inside and outside. 
Yeah, and that to me is also a common theme when you look at the makeup of the secondary and the players that they brought in free agency. Adoree Jackson, we've talked about this on previous programs. Yes, he's mainly an outside corner, but he did get a number of snaps inside. So you can move him in and out. Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, to me, are interchangeable. You can bring the guys near the line of scrimmage. You can also play them away from the field. Julian Love is somebody that could be also utilized in a variety of spots. And now Aaron Robinson pretty much fits that profile, as well as Darnay Holmes. Let's not forget the fourth-round pick last year. You know, he's somebody also that you could play inside as well as outside. And that enables you to digest injuries, God forbid, if that hits. But also, as you hit on, John, the fact that there's no guarantee that this nucleus is going to stay intact over the next three to four years. So if you have to lose somebody because of a contract, if you have to trade somebody away, you feel good about some of the young guys you brought in that if you needed to throw them in various spots, they'd be comfortable. And remember, Patrick Graham's scheme is built on versatility, and the way the defense is structured one week is not necessarily the way it's going to look the following week. He'll also play a guy X amount of snaps one week, as we saw, and then he may not have a big amount of snaps the the next week because you just talked about they rotated the outside corner opposite James Bradbury. Maybe he rotates the slot corner this year. Maybe one game he utilizes a Dory Jackson. Then he turns to Darnay Holmes. Then Aaron Robinson gets opportunities. He may just look at it on film who they're going up against every week and say, you know what? I think this guy inside is a better matchup than last week when we used him outside. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And That's Paul, a really good way to screw up your opponent, too, because yeah, they're sure. scouting yeah. you thinking that, oh, this is the guy we're going to face, and then all of a sudden, oh, guess what? Uh, they're using their third slot corner against our guys this week. And now, Paul, this is something I've been kind of keeping an ear on, and maybe I'm looking for it too much, but you tell me if you think I'm wrong. I sense that they want to try to play more press man this year. You know, last year they were such a heavy zone team. They rarely played press man. And it seemed like everybody went out of their way to talk about how Aaron Robinson can, can press and play man. And I think this is another signal that they probably want to try to do a little bit more of that. Or Dory Jackson, by the way, plays a lot of press man too. So I think it's another signal that we're going to probably see more man-to-man defense from this secondary than we saw in 2020. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I, I think that Patrick Graham loves to mix things up as much as possible. And if they can play some more press man, that just means it's another one of the matrixes in the Rubik's Cube that he can throw out there at any given time. I mean, to me, it's just another piece of uh, of the arm that, that he can twist and bend and try to confuse other people with. So I don't necessarily know if, if, if it's on purpose that he wants to do more of that as much as he would just like to add another piece of uh, uh, of uh, versatility to his defense. Lance, feel free to throw one more thing on this pick if you want, but you can look ahead now to the next round, too. I'll just point out one thing very quickly. Uh, they did mention, I think it was Dave Gettleman mentioned, that they were looking at two offensive linemen at both picks, but they were picked s- shortly before the Giants selection came up. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably now going to be uh, an object with their fourth-round pick coming up tomorrow. 
But once again, it all depends on the value because I think the of Giants' course. emphasis, too, has been we're not going to reach for a guy and we're going to be patient. And the board, I think, has played out nicely for them where they've moved down when they know there's a ballpark of four or five guys they're interested in and they're not going to panic. And then all of a sudden you have Ojolari fall to you and Aaron Robinson, who you were considering the second round, as you pointed out, is still on the board in round three. So if that plays out that way for an offensive lineman, great. But I don't know if the Giants are necessarily going to go out of their way to grab an O-line. The point that I wanted to bring up in relation to what you guys were talking about a few seconds ago was I don't know if it's necessarily an indication that the Giants are going to play more man this year, and maybe this is stating the obvious, but I think you look at your division, and Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge have both emphasized that you build your team to make sure that you can handle your business in the division. So if we just look at the personnel guys, when you play the Dallas Cowboys, they have three legitimate star wide receivers before you even consider who they're throwing out there at tight end in Blake Jarwin this season, assuming he's healthy and Dak's back full health. You've got to be able to have three to four corners that you can rely on, whether you're manning up at the line of scrimmage or you're playing zone. Washington added Curtis Samuel, a very versatile playmaker in addition to what they're working with with Terry McLaurin and their tight ends and their running backs who can catch the ball on the backfield. And Philadelphia just added Devontae Smith, and we'll see what happens with the rest of their receiving core. So what I'm getting at is the theme is if you want to win the NFC East, yes, of course, you have to have a pass rush. But you can't rely on getting 10 sacks every game. You have to have guys that could cover regardless of your scheme. And I think that's another reason why the Giants are making sure they have a little bit more substance. In that yeah, department. you know what, Lance? This is why, you know, I, I felt that because of the value at the position in this year's draft, I had to put a corner, and it wasn't on purpose, but after I looked at my cluster at each one of the Giants' selections, it just so happened that I had a corner amongst my top three picks every time. And, and you know, that was not a surprise in retrospect. And I'm glad to see that the Giants did wind up getting one who they believe is going to enhance the depth of that secondary because I do believe that that was something they, they really needed to address. Uh, moving forward, John, you mentioned the offensive line. Yes, I do believe there are still guys who can compete for a starting job uh, inside the interior of this line that remain on the board as we still talk here, uh, taping this program late in the third round. Uh, it's going to get real thin, quick, but I do believe there are still some guys left who could fit that bill with value. I also believe now we're also getting to the point where I think the value and the need to acquire a running back starts to become a lot more clear. Well, guys, we'll talk about it tomorrow on Saturday at 10 a.m. Make sure you join us live. We'll take you through the Giants' fourth-round pick right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And, of course, take calls from fans as well on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast or Giants Mobile App and all your favorite podcast platforms. For Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you on Saturday at 10 a.m. for a live edition, a special weekend edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live.